0: You're listening to the League Bound Podcast.
1: Oh, oh, mercy. Oh.
2: Your source for weekly coverage on the future stars of the NBA. The
1: the
0: <clears throat> I'm your co-host Jake Schronz. And I'm your co-host Brandon Blue. With production for the podcast coming from Broderick Wilkin.
2: With the first pick in the NBA draft... Hello and welcome to season 2 episode 3 of the League Bound podcast where we break down the best draft prospects and the rising stars of the NBA I'm your co-host Brandon Blue and I'm here today with Jake and Brody. How are you guys feeling today?
0: And Brandon, it is so good to be back. Third straight week for League Bound season 2 and Brody, the growth that we have been seeing has been so encouraging And I think it's just going to keep continuing.
1: Oh, 100% man And I don't think I have a lot to cover today other than we're doing our first uh draft break or prospect breakdown of the uh year with Victor Wembanyama, and uh right after that more trivia by yours truly uh and I think we're also going to talk about some other big news coming in and uh looking forward to uh the first uh stage of college basketball or first first games of uh college basketball which starts when this video releases. Uh, i
2: i hate to upset our our followers who, who love negativity like i do but sadly we don't have any this week you know i was looking around and i was like i'm not going to force it this week nothing major and hopefully next week and especially with this being the start of college basketball we get some early early action to kind of set the tone for the season but that's something we'll have to look forward to for next week but getting right into it, I want to talk to you guys about five-star, oh, rec- five-star recruit, according to 24-7 Sports, Mikey Williams, who just yesterday committed to Penny Hardaway's Memphis Tigers. Um, obviously, he's one of the most well-known high school athletes, uh, especially starting out his freshman year. He was toward the tops of a lot of uh, class rankings, but since then, he has dropped, but... Before I kind of go into that, Jake, I want to I want to hear your thoughts on this situation.
0: Uh, I want to start this this topic off just giving some props to Penny Hardaway because if you look at maybe the top three most viral high school prospects of the last decade or so, I would say you've got Zion Williamson, Imani Bates, and Mikey Williams, and two of those three were flipped and committed to Memphis as Imani Bates. He's not playing there now obviously, he transferred to Eastern Michigan, but there was a lot of hype when he went to Memphis and now just with Mikey Williams going there too, Penny Hardaway got to give him his flowers getting some of the top recruits to that school.
2: For real. Um I think the way Penny has just I know he hasn't had a lot of success with a lot of these higher class recruits, but the fact that he's still able to just keep bringing them in um I feel like really expands his potential as a coach but the uh, like i talked about before we haven't seen him have much success with he brought in james wiseman a few years back mm-hmm. and then had the amani situation last year and i would like to say there were wild rumors that amani was saying that he didn't want recruits to come play for penny next season which i think just speaks to how wild that situation was but um i think penny being able to bring in these guys just speaks to, I think, the type of person that he is. And I think that he really sees potential in a lot of these guys. And I'm excited to see how Mikey plays, especially since I don't feel like we've seen a lot of him in the AAU circuit ever since he signed that contract with Puma. I was keeping up with a lot of like the EYBL circuit, which is Nike's big uh, league that they do over the summer, and some of Adidas's. And Coming into your senior year, I feel like this is probably one of the biggest times for AAU ball, and we really didn't see a lot of him going up against high level competition. So I feel like his ranking where he's at now, um, I feel I'm already of the position that they don't really mean much, but I think that his is really. We'll see if it either overvalues him or undervalues him as a player.
1: Do, uh, do you? Th- was this a surprise to you? Um, honestly, yes, because
2: Mikey before, um, he had said that he was either going to go to an HBCU Mm -hmm. or just based off of his actions. Like, I'm not saying he's a bad person, obviously, but like, he just made it clear that, you know, he wants to get his money. He wants to get his bread. (laughs) So I was expecting him to either do that or just go to the G League. But I think also, um, a lot of those comments he made about going to HBCUs and stuff that happened before,
1: um nil Mm -hmm. and i think that Mm -hmm. probably played a big factor in his decision as well i'm willing to bet we'll see quite a couple advertisements come up uh regarding mikey williams and i'm sure he's gotten uh, at least offered the bag at memphis the
0: commercials bro like we've already seen college players getting gatorade commercials mikey williams has such a massive following on social media where i mean every single brand and he's such a Marketable player because he's responsible. He seems pretty mature for his age So all of these brands are just gonna want to get at that following that he has in the basketball world and just in general on social media
1: And back to Mikey, uh, I know the G League Ignite uh, or at least you said the G League Ignite was reaching out to them or to him uh, for him as an athlete do you think uh, as a basketball player do you think uh, it was more valuable for him to uh, go to college like he is now, or do you think he maybe should have taken a shot with uh, the Ignite? I feel like that's a good
2: question, but I feel like the G League, even though it has sown a lot of potential, I feel like with college there's still, there's still good sides to that too, and I feel like the G League just hasn't been around long enough for me to explicitly say, like, yeah, this is the better route. Like, go here. But I think there's pros and cons to both, and I think – um when you go to the g-league even though you're playing against better competition i think if when you go to college and you have more success like on the brighter stage and on the national national stage it just helps your draft stock naturally like unless you're like scoot henderson or somebody who's just already kind of getting that attention but i feel like this is kind of off topic but i feel like if he hadn't played victor he wouldn't be getting that attention he's getting now but To bring it back to Mikey. I feel like him going to college is good for his stock. And uh, I think If he can make things work at Memphis, I think that it'll go up
0: and I think Mikey Williams is a different type of prospect to review in terms of the context of what G League Ignite is because He's already been in the spotlight for such a long time And he's already made so many brand deals as a young player like he's already signed with Puma. I believe as just a player in high school so not that he doesn't need the money that g-league ignite provides i think they can make up to around five hundred thousand dollars for that one year which is definitely significant but he already has the reach in terms of branding and he's already made a ton of money at this age so i think with him getting in college basketball it provides a good opportunity for him to kind of see a different side because People kind of just know Mikey Williams as like the overtime kid, but I'm I worry that they relate him too much to a guy like Julian Newman who is known on YouTube for like just clips of The younger stuff, but Mikey Williams is actually a legit basketball player. Like he's top 50 in the country on Basically every recruiting site, and I think people kind of sleep on him I don't want to sound like a, a Mikey Stan because I'm definitely not but I feel like he is slept on a little bit just because people don't view him the same as other prospects who are just known for being really good at basketball.
2: I think that also kind of goes back to my point earlier where I talked about he signed that contract with Puma and that that stopped him from playing in a lot of AAU circuits. I feel like, too, we just don't see him go like I feel like the stigma he's had his whole career because he's been playing. He played at San Isidro and then he's back there for his senior year but even last year when he was at Vertical Academy and the year before he was at Lake Christian, he wasn't at like a lot of high-level schools like Montverde, IMG, Oak Hill, or whatever. And so people have always just pegged him as somebody who's been playing against soft competition. But I think him going to Memphis is good for his game in that he'll be playing uh, essentially against— hopefully he'll be playing against a lot of other NBA prospects and some top 25 teams in the country— and, like, we'll really get to see how valid of a hooper he is.
0: I, and I feel like what I meant by people don't view him the same as other top prospects. People know Mikey Williams for stuff on YouTube. Like, I know a while ago there was clips of him playing pickup ball with with Flight on YouTube just at a random gym. And it's like, yeah, that's funny and entertaining. But at the same time, he is still a legit top-50 prospect. And there were colleges basically lining up to to offer him to play a high-level D1 basketball, and I don't think people give that enough credit. Even if they aren't fans of Mikey Williams as a brand, I think that they still need to respect him as a player.
2: Mm-hmm. I think another reason why this is a good decision is because I feel like his game is just very raw. Like, I feel like he's somebody who relies a lot on his athleticism, and he can kind of he can kind of score in a lot of ways, but I feel like he doesn't have, like, a go-to kind of way of kind of killing you if that makes sense. Like he can kind of do damage everywhere, but I feel like he when he goes to college, he'll be able to kind of find what's the best way to score for him and kind of work out how he can reach his full potential.
0: I actually love that point too because I feel like a lot of people probably see Mikey as a selfish basketball player or like a a one guy on a team type guy, but by him going to college, he can have the opportunity to prove that he fits into a team system. And I think GMs will probably value that experience a lot because his whole high school career, he has been the superstar among just kind of no-name uh, no players. And now moving into a team like Memphis, he'll fit into some sort of offensive system that Coach Hardaway kind of cooks up. And GMs will be like, oh, he can actually play in a, in a team setting and not just be this one superstar that everyone knows
1: and I think uh, overtime kind of uh, they kind of turned him into a prospect uh, one of the first of its kind where like a lot I don't I don't want to say he got his whole like high school life and high school career documented but like he had what like a couple seasons of a little show that overtime mm-hmm. produced almost like I not documentary wise it wasn't a documentary as much as it was like basically like a what reality TV Mm -hmm. almost for a Almost like a a vlog basketball prospect, and I feel like uh, It's when you watch something like that It's kind of hard to like put that into like him being a real basketball player cuz well Reality TV is it really that real sometimes, but yeah
0: You see this also this kind of concept come up with Jared McCain as well for Duke got to say that like He's really good. But since he's famous on social media, a lot of people either hate on him for it or just think they're kind of a joke. But like he's literally a a top prospect that has NBA potential and not enough people realize that. Yeah,
2: I think it even kind of comes down to the same thing with Bronny a little bit. Like people are overhating on him just because he's LeBron's son and he's getting a lot more attention. But it's like, no, that kid can really shoot the ball. And I think this is just this is, I think, an effect of the social media era. Like, when kids are going viral off these clips, people are just going to hate on them based on, you know, like you talked about, guys like Julian Newman. And I think they don't really give them the chance or take into account their situation and their circumstances and the real potential that some of them have. Tomorrow is going to be the official start of the college basketball season, and we will get to see a lot of these... uh, High-profile players in this year's draft class uh, start to take court and I want to ask you guys who are you guys excited to see make their debut? Uh,
0: I've got a couple of non freshmen to start things off. I know we focus a lot of on one and dones here on League Bound, but I'm going to start things off with Caleb Love. That's a player that here on League Bound. We have been quite critical of uh, in this first few years for the Tar Heels, but If the national championship and really the whole March Madness tournament is Going to represent what we see in the future from Caleb love I think he actually does have a lot of potential to be one of the top guards in the upcoming draft
2: Yeah, especially since I think a lot of what we saw in that March Madness tournament uh, It was just a lot of crazy shot making and just unreal like Some of the shots he made in that tournament were just unbelievable And I think that if he gets kind of consistent and we see more of those like 20 17 to 20 point performances like he was having in the tournament then i think that will raise his draft stock uh very heavily and also um i a lot of these teams are not playing very good teams to start off their uh college seasons and i think that a lot of players are going to feast and caleb love i could easily see being one of them but getting into my players who i'm excited to see i have Keontae george who's a freshman at baylor we got to see him play a little bit uh over the summer in international play because team baylor got to represent usa uh in a international basketball tournament i forgot what it was for but he looked pretty good in some of the highlights that i was able to see and i think that he's going to be one of the top scorers in this draft class so i'm excited to see what he looks like up against real, live competition.
0: Brandon, I have to say, I think, I know you just brought up the scoring, I think Keontae George might be a 20-point-per-game scorer in college this year, as a freshman. I think he's that special. I
2: I think so, too. I mean, uh, the way he scores, and he seems to be a pretty athletic person. I mean, that's probably why he's at the top. But (laughs) I think just him having that that mix of scoring, athleticism, that's going to make him really interesting. And he's going to be in the Big 12, which is him going up against KU, that's going to be a fun matchup.
0: Yeah, and he's a volume shooter too, and for a Baylor team this year that isn't as good, I would say, as the some of the teams we've seen in the past few years, I could definitely see them being in a lot closer of games where he's putting up maybe 15, 20 shots, and and that gets him to around 20, 20-ish game, maybe a little under, but I could definitely see him being the top freshman scorer this year.
2: I, I think that depending on how the season goes, he definitely— He's in my running for that third spot. You know, one and two we know are both kind of locks at this point, but I I think the race for number three is going to be really interesting, and him and Nick Smith are my front runners for that position right now.
0: But in the NBA draft, you got Keontae George that high? I
1: I do. I'm okay. not I'm not afraid to say it. I mean, I know it's before the season, but for reference here, Keontae George as of right now is number nine on the draft board for, or at least Tankathon's mock draft right now has him number nine. So that's. Quite a quite a long ways up the board. Yeah, I mean, I think it's possible
0: um, I mean we've seen guys in the past rise up in terms of draft stock like Benedict Matherin to start the season Last year was you know, he was projected a first-rounder But he definitely wasn't projected the sixth pick and now you see what he's doing in the NBA and that ended up being the correct pick
2: I think it was kind of the same thing with Jaden Ivey like he was projected to make a big jump for his sophomore year but I don't think a lot of uh Outlets had him going as high as he ended up going
0: so yeah, and I've got another guy that I'm excited to see Debut and that is Isaiah Mosley our first ever League him player on the podcast from last season. He played at Missouri State now transferred to Missouri so we'll get to see him against more SEC talent and uh, He's a really good player. He's I believe he's a senior this year He's another upperclassman that I'm talking about here, but he was one of our favorite players to kind of Uh, Keep tabs on last year see how he was doing and now it'll be a lot easier to see him on TV at the SEC level
2: I'm hoping Missouri
0: has some big upset games
2: because I really want to see this kid do well I mean you just watch his game like he's probably one of the most fun college players to watch and that's being like Completely unbiased but he just doesn't get that recognition because you know, he was playing against lower competition And I'm hoping that that translate well that translates well to the SEC especially seeing since missouri has been a team especially these last few years that they've just kind of they've struggled as a team and i feel like having a player like him who can just he,
0: he might be the best player at missouri since uh, michael porter yeah who didn't really play and, at yeah. all for missouri but uh at least talent level wise he could be
2: yeah i'm i'm hoping he has a big year and i would love to see him get put on an sec first team or a second team so he he probably won't get put on first team but yeah, it's to gonna see, be so
0: tough to be on the I would, first team this year, the SEC.
2: Yeah, you have Kentucky, Tennessee, um, Arkansas, who all have great guys. So it's it's gonna be tough to get up there, but mm-hmm. I'm rooting for him.
1: And yeah. I think like the craziest part about uh, Isaiah Mosley is the fact that we talked about him. He was, I think, one of our first uh, players we ever talked about on this podcast. Uh, and to watch him grow, I mean, we've covered him throughout uh, the last uh, season and. To see him now in SEC school, well, at an SEC school against SEC competition. I guess we'll get to see if his uh, crazy plays, crazy moves are as real as they looked uh, at
0: Missouri State. Yeah, I mean, if people watching now on League Bound, if you didn't tune in into our kind of early days on the podcast, we talked about this guy. Uh, Isaiah Mosley he was dropping 40 points for Missouri <laughs> State like it almost seemed like every other like every night other week, Yeah, so he was he was crazy. He was he's six. He's like six six. He plays point guard and he's got a great shot from downtown He's got range uh, Keep your eyes on on Missouri this year because they even if they're not getting a ton of wins they'll probably uh, Put up a couple of shootouts against some of these <laughs> SEC teams that are gonna be fun to watch. Yeah
2: Now another player I want to talk about just because this is another guy I'm rooting for. And I think him being at Eastern Michigan, we saw in his first exhibition game how well he did. And I think he's got some new life. He's paired up with Noah Farrakhan. Um, I'm excited to see Amani Bates. And I think that he's going to have a, a solid debut. Um, in his first exhibition game, he put up 20-plus points. And I think if he's made... If he's learned any from his Memphis situation, I think that he's just ready to hoop and that's all he wants to do. So I think he's going to come out there with a chip on his shoulder and he's going to show people why he was at one point one of the top recruits in this class. And I think a lot of people forget, like I know age at times can be an iffy subject in college basketball, but this man should still be a freshman and not a sophomore. And so I think when you kind of look at it from that perspective and just have The fresh look and like you ignore his His gun charges and everything else that's happened
0: before <laughs> that's what i'm wondering about because I know we're talking as, on a season-wide basis here on who we're excited to see but really in the debut this week I'm not sure what imani Bates is going to be able to do because he has had so much going on this off season off the court Where you have to wonder how that's going to impact His performance to start the season.
2: Yeah, I I'm hopeful that he can get a little bit of his confidence back especially since you know, he's in a little bit of a lower um, He's playing in a lower uh, Conference and to start the season. They'll be playing lower competition So I think that he can kind of get back to where or I don't want to say get back, but at least improve his game from where it was before
0: Mm mm-hmm And you would think if he's putting up crazy numbers at a group of five school like Eastern Michigan, that will probably be enough for scouts to say, hey, he's still got that high school talent that we saw at the USA teams and and really at high school. You You can kind of disregard what he did at Memphis because that wasn't really a good representation of what he is as a player. What he did at Eastern Michigan this year, that's what we're drafting.
2: Yeah, and I think scouts will definitely, like you said, be looking at that moving on we are going to be talking about Tari eason for our welcome to the league player Um, this week i want to say yesterday he had 17 points six rebounds two assists one steal and had two threes versus the timberwolves now this is a player who a lot of people were talking about in preseason and everybody was really excited to see him play alongside jalen green kevin porter jabari smith and all those guys But he's been playing under 20 minutes for most of the season and even though most of these points came in garbage time minutes I think yesterday kind of showed why he should be getting more minutes than he is right now
0: Yeah, Houston is kind of struggling at this point with that Almost like Oklahoma City Thunder method where they're like we have so many young guys that there's guys that we drafted in the lottery who can't even get minutes because it's a a big reason why they're currently one and nine on the season and I, th- I really think they're gonna have to examine that roster by the end of this this year and think who do we actually value as Guys that we see going forward being a top four player on our team And at that point just cut the guys loose trade them for for actual proven talents We'll see if Tari Eason remains a Houston rocket going forward, but like you said he was great uh, Yesterday and he probably deserves a lot more minutes, but it's it might be tough to get him on the court with Jabari Smith because Jabari really isn't a five and I don't know if Tari Easton has the perimeter skill set yet to be a three and play alongside Jabari Smith, but they gotta figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I think their issue speaks to
2: the fact that there's just so much talent in this league now where I feel like I just think about all the teams the past few years, like even this year with the Pistons, the magic and the issues with the Warriors and stuff, and we talk about how there's so much talent in this league, and I'm just I think we're getting to the point where there's just too much talent We're now <laughs> like people who we, who we think, oh yeah, they're gonna be a solid player and uh when they get to the league, and now we're gonna get to the point where they're not even gonna be on a team like three years into the season just because there's so many great players now, and that's some that's a trend I'm kind of starting to notice, and it's really it's 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 a good issue to have, but it's also kind of sad, I feel like.
1: Has it has it changed? uh, I guess the way you guys have looked at players this season so far. I will say for me uh, Draft prospects I should say I will say for me. It has a
2: little bit because I feel like now You want to a lot of players? You want to find people who can do different things and not just kind of the same Thing, you know what I mean? Like I don't want players who can just wait, let me rephrase this I think The players that stand out are those who can do everything, but they kind of specialize in one thing, you know, like say you can guard, you can score, but you're also like an elite shooter or something. But if you're just a player who's kind of average at everything, whereas like in the nineties, it was players who were like, they were really good at one area and they couldn't do much of anything else. But now I think we're just getting players who can do a little bit of everything, but they don't really have a specialty. But guys at the top of the draft now, it seems like they can do everything and they have a specialty and that's kind of what separates them from everyone else. And then when you get deeper, there's guys who are still good enough to play on these rosters, but it's just like it's hard to get you in when you don't have something different that you can bring. So just this week, we had some more freshmen play in some exhibition games. And although... They were against some lighter competition. They still showed out and showed what they can bring to the next level We had guys like Chet Howard for Michigan who put up 30 points and six threes in his exhibition And he showed that he's got that thing on him
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean he's obviously Jawan Howard's son the Michigan coach former NBA player famous college player but he's got good size on the perimeter and in a similar way of Caleb Houston's impact at Michigan Uh, He was obviously drafted in the first round last year. I believe it was first round. I think near the end. Michigan's got another great young wing that has a lot of NBA potential. And so look out for him. He is just a freshman, but I think he has the potential to be a one and done. But someone who has a lot more potential, I think, and has not gotten too much media attention yet, just because Indiana basketball is really focused on Trace Jackson Davis right now, is their five-star guard, Jalen Hood Shafino. 15 points and 5 assists in this past week's exhibition game and he's got a good size for the point guard position and has just a Really smooth game Brandon. Yeah,
2: I like both of these guys that you picked out Jake Um, Going back to Chet Howard. I really like the way that like you said he can shoot the ball and he showed some flashes as a shot creator it kind of reminded me of how uh, Jordan Poole played a little bit at Michigan Mm -hmm. and I could see him having kind of a similar role and I think he has better size than uh, JP, so if he can kind of emulate that kind of, if he can emulate that role and take that position, I feel like he, like you said, definitely could be a one and done, and could maybe even sneak up into the lottery.
0: Yeah, and people look at Jordan Pool nowadays as almost like the backup point guard or point guard for the Warriors when Steph is out. If you look back at those first seasons at michigan he really was when he was coming off the bench really more of a just straight catch and shoot three-point shooter he had a little bit of of a drill package but most of the time he was just getting kick out threes and, and knocking them down so if jet howard can do that he's got a lot of potential
1: i mean as long as he doesn't throw hands like his dad right
0: <laughs> i mean that's not necessarily a negative we love some negativity no, here yeah, on the no. podcast
1: i mean it's it, the juan howard uh what it's it's more like a slap, a smack. Yeah, uh, is legendary, and it's literally in our intro for our negativity section. So, <laughs> all respect to him. Just wanted to make a funny little joke.
2: Um, and going on to a player I uh, was watching, I turned on the Ku game, of course, and Grady Dick was really, I think he might rise up a little bit higher in this draft class than I initially thought, just because he's shown that he's. A really smart player Um, he had 20 points on four of six shooting from three-point line he had five rebounds and he's a pretty athletic guy I must say so I think that him kind of like I talked about earlier having he's shown that he can do a little bit of everything but I think if he shows that he can have a role where he really specializes in like shooting maybe or I don't know playmaking then I think that he could Shoot His name up into the lottery as well because right now. I think he's projected late first round and I liked what I saw out of him against Pittsburgh State, so
0: yeah, and you hate to compare them just because it's so easy But you have to imagine Grady dick could basically have the same draft stock as what Tyler hero did when he was coming out very similar players good shooters on the perimeter and I mean Tyler hero wasn't super highly drafted, but I mean a one-and-done who basically just shoots threes? It's tough to get super high when you've got other guys who are Dominant on all facets of the ball
1: you think he could uh, when he makes it to the NBA make a good fit sim- similar to Tyler hero where he's a good six man A rotational piece. I I think so I feel like
2: From what I saw I'm not sure that he's necessarily the volume scorer that Tyler hero would be but I definitely think Um, He could be a good utility guy who just, as I talked about, does a little bit of everything. And I really think he does have some playmaking potential as well. That might be wrong going forward, but, like, I saw he made some really smart plays. Like, there was one where he was cutting to the rim, and he caught the ball. Or he didn't even catch it, but, like, the ball was over his head, and he just immediately tipped it to the dude in the corner. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, making reads like that, uh, those are things that you really love to see from a young player. And I think that when he expands his basketball knowledge, that will make him even more dangerous.
0: And as a Kansas guy, you've obviously seen the most of Grady Dick out of all of us here on League Bound. So I got a question for you. Would you compare him more similar to a Tyler Hero, like we said? Or is he more like Christian Brown, what he brought to the Jayhawks last year and the last Mm -hmm. few years?
2: Okay, this is another thing I don't really want to say, but like he's kind of... He's a, he's a good mixture of both, but if I really had to, if I really had to, I'd probably say Christian Brown, just because I feel like he has so much more dimension than Tyler Hero does. I don't want to say Tyler Hero's a bad defender, but like he doesn't really have that reputation, you know. And Grady's versatile on both sides of the ball, and from what I saw in his high school days too, like he's gonna make a really good impact on that side of the ball, and he's somebody who I think could be guarding a team's best player every night. Like, say, when they have to play Baylor, he could be going up Keontae George and guys like that. Oh,
0: that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Yeah.
2: So I I think that Grady Dick, if I had to, I'd say he's more like Christian Brown.
0: Okay. You heard it here first.
2: And now moving on to our favorite part of these podcasts, it is time for the prospect breakdown. Victor Wimbenyama, it is your time. He is 18 years old right now and will be about 19 and a half half when the season's done. Um, He's from France, plays for Metropolitan's 92. And we don't really know what this dude's official height is. He's anywhere from seven foot two to seven foot five, Um, (laughs) which is a lot. Jake, this is a dude we have heard. All about and I just want to hear what your thoughts are on him
0: well yeah first I would just like to say I wish I had the benefit of um, Victor's height I would say I'm either 5'10 or 6'3 anywhere between there that would be nice (laughs) But um, yeah so obviously everyone everyone basically by now knows about Victor Wembanyama. by now he's been all over social media all over ESPN all over the casual platforms and I'm excited to finally actually talk fully about what we like about him what we don't like And Maybe where he fits into a team going forward, but for me, he's kind of what people wanted bull bull to be I know he's having a good season so far in 2022 but for the past few years Bull Bull has really struggled to find himself deep into a rotation and be a consistent player in terms of minutes and really just efficiency and usage in the NBA, but Victor He's a little taller than bull bull and he's a much better defender and really bull bull in 2k I would say is the best comparison to what we think Victor could be because if anyone's ever played with bull bull and in, in a rebuild on 2k once you hit that 20 25, 26. <laughs> he's like he's basically the hardest player to play against
2: Yeah, I think another thing too about because this is kind of an archetype we've seen um, With Chet Bull like you talked about but I think out of all those guys Victor's offensive game is probably the smoothest not just in terms of like the way he handles the ball because the way he handles the ball is definitely better than all of them. But the fact that, you know, his footwork, uh, his shot mechanics, everything about his game offensively, I think it just, it makes it easier for him to have to play somewhere like a four, three of where he's not the center. And even now with his Mets 92 team, he's playing the power for it. He's not playing the center. So I think that just speaks to the spacing that he's going to bring to the league.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you bring up his ball handling because, like you said, it is better than all these other guys with the archetype. I'm sure a lot of people have seen the viral clip where he's kind of getting pushed off up on the left wing, and then he just hits the Kobe uh, Mm -hmm. size up with just, like, four straight in between the legs. One-footed three-pointer. Oh, my gosh. That was just ridiculous. I don't know if that's actually going to be part of his game or not or if he was just screwing around, but if it is, that is pretty scary because he almost shoots a three-ball at a line drive with the rim. That's how high it is. And uh, Nobody can guard it.
2: I think that's another thing that just ups the potential of Victor because he's such an He's such an unreal player that he has the potential to just do unreal things like that one-legged three-pointer We saw they were up like 20 points when he did that So I'm not sure that's fully gonna be a regular thing But when he gets like five or six years into his career and when he really deepens his bag I feel like he's gonna have it's kind of like with luca and his step back like that was something i remember watching an interview and he was talking about how that was something that he hadn't really even done when he got into the nba but like say victor gets a signature move like that running one legged at three like <laughs> it's just over like nobody can do anything about mm-hmm. that but i think another area of his game that really makes him so dangerous is his playmaking ability i was watching that game against uh that game against Scoot that they played back in October. And they were trapping him like late in the second half. And he was just he's seven five, of course. So like he should be able to do this. But he <laughs> was passing out of just dribble over team. Over their heads. Yeah. Like over their heads. He was hitting rollers. Like it was it was really a strong performance or I don't want to say it was he really showed strong playmaking ability. And I think when he's in the league and say like he's getting double teamed when he doesn't have any help. Like if he's able to just let me rephrase that when he's getting double teams after he's hot and he's got like 30 or 35 points and he has another shooter on his squad, he can just whip it to them in the corner for open three. Like he could, I think he has a potential to be a
1: five or six assist player in the NBA. And so we were, we were talking about the mystery of the height here. Uh, and I'm just going to tell you right now, it's not seven two. Uh if you look up on uh On Google, Victor Wembanyama and Chet Holmgren, the pictures of them next to each other. Uh, Chet Holmgren is officially marked by the Thunder at seven foot one. He's easily four inches taller than seven foot one. Mm -hmm. Like, it actually looks like he could be, well, I'm not the biggest, like, height measurer in terms of, like, getting it accurate, but, like, he is way taller than Chet. Like, that's just insane. And I want to go back to the
2: fact that he's 18 years old right now and he's probably not done growing which is i just want to throw that out there but imagine
0: this guy becomes like 7 foot 7 or something it's honestly ridiculous you have to imagine there's a certain height where you just physically cannot shoot the basketball as, as a jump shot like forever because once you get to the point where your release is at the level as the rim there's no way you can be consistent because like, you, you have no almost no judgment of how high to actually shoot the ball. You almost want to shoot a straight-line drive at mm-hmm. the rim.
2: And, yeah, I feel like a lot of people, too, one of the knocks on him coming into the season was his shooting consistency. And I think there's, like, no way this happens. But, like, say he goes into the league and he just can't even shoot the ball. Like, he's still tall enough and mobile enough, which is crazy, to where he'll still be, like, a good two or three Average of two good or three blocks a game, which is just ridiculous. And he's shown he has kind of some questionable foot speed defensively, but he still has the presence and space to like at least alter their shot. Like say he's guarding a point guard or something.
0: Yeah, and right now, at uh, at this point in the season, he's shooting around thirty three percent from three. But he over thirty percent of his shots are from three point range. So that is a great uh, percentage from from a big man like like Victor. He's not one of these great shooters that goes for like four for nine on a whole season. And they're like, wow, he's almost 50% from three. Like he's taken maybe three or four or five a game, which is where you want him to be at. I
2: feel like also another thing we have to keep him to mind is the league that he's playing in and the people that he's playing with. Like, I don't want to say his teammates are bad because they're not. Like a lot of them have played in the G League. A lot of them were former uh, NCAA stars. But it's like I was watching his – second to last game that was like last Saturday, the overtime game and his teammates just weren't feeding him the ball and I feel like they were also trying to do a lot of post-ups and they weren't really getting him around the perimeter so it's just like, I feel like they weren't really setting him up for the most success in that situation. So I feel like when he gets into the NBA he'll have better coaching staffs, he'll be around smarter, better basketball players. Um, I think that him having better teammates around him will also help his game tremendously. Unless,
1: unless you have something, uh, I think it's time to uh, discuss the elephant in the room uh, with Victor Wembanyama. Literally, the only thing stopping him is injury, and uh, I mean, you look at it everywhere. That's the one flag, red flag that everyone talks about. Uh, you look at the history of the NBA and players above seven foot three, and how all of them pretty much. Like their careers are either cut short because of injury or they just don't even really make it to the NBA or make it far past like their first couple seasons uh, Just strictly because of injury uh, being above seven foot three, but uh you also have to look at the fact that uh, Being like players in the NBA above seven foot three is a very very small sample size so I it's yeah, but I mean, then again, at that small sample size, all those players went through injury struggles. Uh, if you guys want to touch on that uh, and Victor Wembanyama injury concerns, yeah, I was actually gonna say like one of my only things that I I just because like
2: you said the injury history is a major thing. I did some research and I found that back in June he was shut down for the rest of his season. Um, after he had injured a muscle that pulls it's like correlated with your knee and like going upward it has a name for it but it was hard to pronounce (laughs) but fair enough um and I looked and it said that it's also it can hinder your flexibility and can lead to lower back pain and he also had a stretch stress fracture before that back in 2020 but I feel like the stress fracture that could be an issue but I feel like that's not that big of an issue but i am will i will say that this most recent one i want to look it up just cuz i want to get the technical term in there it's called a i'll spell it out it's called the pus, P-S-O-A-S muscle it's i think like it's so yeah, yeah like the zoe muscle zoas muscle i sorry if that pronunciation is wrong but just because I saw some of the downsides to that, and I think we need to look at the injury and how he does this season, because if, I, if he can't make it through this season, then I think we kind of need to look at that just because they says that it can mess with your mobility and your lower back pain. And if he can't get through this full season and he has an injury related to that, then I think that's something that Scouts will probably kind of check mark. And I think we as fans will kind of need to be like okay this is another seven footer with that injury problem
0: personally i've always been in the camp of i don't worry too much about injury unless it's injury history because it seems kind of ridiculous to claim that someone's going to be injury prone i know you talked about some of the stuff he's already dealt with but it hasn't been some of these common athletic injuries like you see like a torn acl or a broken bone in in his foot or something it's really been kind of these random things that could happen to anyone. So I'm a little hesitant to just claim injury as what his his future will hold. But if someone like Michael Porter Jr., uh, who had back surgeries and back issues before even coming to college and something that held him out of almost the entire college season, that was something that I think was reasonable to consider. But to... I don't think any GM is obviously writing off Victor because of injuries, but to... Even consider scoot over Victor at that number one position just because of the potential for injury I think is a wild take. I mean personally I don't feel like it is just because if you see like
2: if you see an injury and you see it reoccur Then more than likely it's going to happen again like like you said with Michael Porter because that was That thing that happened in college It wasn't just something that had happened once like he had had back injuries in high school and all before that so I feel like I feel like in most situations you probably wouldn't, but I think it's definitely understandable if you do pass up on Victor just because I feel like at sometimes you do want to kind of go for the safer bet. And I feel like Scoot, I think he's a generational talent as well. So that's just my opinion.
0: I would like to see um, what the employment is looking like for any GM that passes up on Victor (laughs) at that number one pick because I highly doubt they will make it past uh, the morning.
1: I mean, you seriously, seriously have to look at it. This guy is absolutely absurd. Nothing anyone has ever seen before, uh, and
0: that's a good point to bring up too because we talked about all of these past examples that were at that size, but none of them move or even really look like Victor Wembanyama on the court. He, I mean, it's kind of thrown around too much in my opinion, where they play like a guard. That phrase for for centers. But he legitimately, like, his dribble package is guard-like. He, he can move in the lane like, like a point guard. And just his overall game is played like you would see from, from some of your favorite guard prospects.
1: And I know, I know you guys, or at least uh, you, Jake, uh, brought it up at some point, but uh, uh, Porzingis was, mm-hmm. I guess, I don't think, he, w- he wasn't nearly as hyped up as this guy was. But Nope. Uh,
0: he was booed, actually. Yeah, what he was, was booed was... on draft night by the Knicks, which is unsurprising. Really? Was it?
1: Was it because of uh, what was it because of?
0: Oh uh, well, they just wanted to draft uh, Justice Winslow over him. It was
1: because they didn't know who he was, so they were just like, "Yeah,
0: he was just a foreign oh. prospect." But <laughs> even with Porzingis, like the game is, I guess, on the surface level similar, just because they're seven footers that can shoot a three ball. But when you actually look deeper, it is almost uncomparable because Porzingis, when he came into the league, had almost no dribble package at all. He didn't play like a guard. He could just shoot, like, catch and shoot on the perimeter, maybe in a pick and pop. Whereas Victor, you could literally bring him the ball on a handoff on the perimeter and just get out of the way and let him run the offense because that, he's that special.
1: And uh, with Porzingis again, uh, his... Did he have... He had a lot of injury problems, right? Because he was uh, he's what?
2: He tore his ACL. Like, and he was having a really good season with the Knicks. And then
0: after that, it was just... He had Max Kellerman claim that he was going to be top five in the league going forward, and then he just downhill.
1: And so as a uh, player, that ACL tear completely changed him?
0: Well, he still plays similar to today, but ever since that injury, his hype and production really hasn't been the same. More more the hype. His production has still been solid as a player, but, I mean, he's just been ticky-tack injuries, whether it was in Dallas for a couple of years or now in Washington, he's... Still a good player, obviously, but nothing nothing you're really building your franchise around like they thought he was going to be.
1: And, okay, as a, uh, as a not an analyst on this podcast, a, pr- a producer who uh, doesn't look into the NBA and college basketball nearly as much as these two, I do keep up, but not to the same level, which is why they're the two talking heads of this podcast. But uh, I just like to bring up the fact that ACL tears happened to a lot of people was it was it an ACL tear that happened because of his height. I Don't know. I think if I remember correctly, it was kind of like it was one of those plays
2: where he just kind of landed wrong
0: Yeah, he was driving to the rim he got fouled and On the baseline and he kind of landed weird and just the way his, his leg was twisted when it when it landed it just kind of tore it right there and he was Instantly down from that holding his knee. So obviously it's a terrible injury, but with more modern science, it seems like players nowadays come back from injuries like that. Not all the time, but it is something that is far more successful in terms of recovery than uh, decades ago.
1: Yeah, and I'm watching the video right here, and it really doesn't look like a height injury as much as like just he landed wrong. Like yeah. He just leg went down wrong. That could happen to... Uh, Jaw. It's, like it's it really happened, happened to 6 foot 3 Jaw.
0: It's happened to guards, it's happened to forwards, it happens, happens to It happens
1: to pretty much everyone. So, I'm I I don't think it's worth signing off injury risk unless the injury that he did have in June uh, reoccurs and keeps happening. Yeah. And then and then I feel like it's a concern, but really like right now he's he moves, looks, plays like one of the healthiest tall players we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Ever seen.
0: And I don't think we've really hit enough on him defensively in in terms of his game because he he blocks shots that most players can't even really predict are even possible. Like we saw in those games against Scoot and some of his teammates, they'll pull up jumpers from mid range that they think, oh, this is just part of my game. I do this all the time, and then all of a sudden they're just not even ready for the length that he produces. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like he's got, almost, I believe it was reported that he has an eight foot wingspan, which I mean. That is ridiculous. He jumps up barely even trying and he's already covering the rim and your in your shooting view so that is almost un. I don't even know how to say it. It's just like you can't be ready for that You can't be used to somebody defending you like that.
2: Uh, he's a player who Like you said he kind of takes away that mid-range shot And he's someone who you have to drive on and then even if you drive on him He's someone who is like, okay, I could just snatch this out of midair Like on some 2k stuff Mm -hmm. it's ridiculous. So I feel like he's a player who if you really want to if you're if he's guarding you You're just gonna have to settle for like a three or something And even then he can still block that so it's like he's just a great defensive player Yeah,
0: and his he you said his foot speed wasn't elite but it's good enough at that size and length where if you like let's say a guard pump fix on the perimeter gets a guy in a flyby He takes one dribble into the mid-range area if Victor is even close to the paint He takes one step and just reaches out and even if it's not getting sent into the third row He's still tipping that shot where it won't even hit the rim and Even if he doesn't get that much even if he doesn't even touch the ball, it's definitely impacting how they release the ball Their their confidence in that shot They're gonna remember getting blocked from earlier in the game and kind of adjust what they do in that position so almost the mental aspect of it that his defense brings is going to be fun to watch
1: and so i i don't think i want to look too far into the future but i do want to say this uh most players uh in the nba uh or most most rookies that come into the nba is it kind of like the NFL? i, I guess it's probably kind of like the nfl where you get a welcome to the nba moment you get swat you get you get the ball swatted uh kobe hits a game-winning shot on you uh, or like curry or something stuff like that happens to you as a rookie part of me as feels like as a rookie he is going to be the one <laughs> saying welcome to the victor Wembanyama show yeah. when a, a high class player goes up to the rim and just like a shot they make every day and as exactly as you guys said just gets sent to the third row i just think about that nasty block he had on
2: scoot like, Scoot was attacking the lane, and it looked like Victor was going to be on a poster. And then I just remember Victor just overpowered him. He he sent Scoot to the floor. Mm. I'm just like— Yeah, I don't know why he tested too, Victor yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, and it looked like Scoot was going to get it. I'm not going to lie. And then Victor was just like,
0: nah. And, like, let's, let's give a, a tangible example. Everyone remembers that one— Insane block that Giannis had in the finals on DeAndre Ayton and Giannis is huge, right? He's like 611 maybe even 7 foot got a huge wingspan if you put Victor in that position I'm not going to guarantee that he makes that play But it is so much easier for him to do that because his arms are longer. He's about four inches taller And he might not even have to take a couple of those steps that Giannis does to recover to DeAndre Ayton because he might be able to just turn his hips and reach out and, and swat that pass out of the sky which is just crazy.
2: And I, you brought up Giannis, and that just made me think of something. Uh, I think of Giannis coming into the league. Y'all have seen those pictures. Mm -hmm. And that man was so skinny. Like, he was a project. But his body type, just in the way that they're built, it reminds me so much of Victor's.
0: Oh, my God. And when
2: you look at Victor, he doesn't look like somebody who won't be able to put on muscle. Like, Chet, he's someone who it looks like that might be a little bit harder for him. But Victor, he's kind of filled out and proportionate enough and like it looks like he already has a little bit of muscle mass
1: at 18 years old like the dude looks completely fine (laughs) yeah
2: so it's like i think with victor i think if he puts on muscle that will make him even more scarier and that's something that i really think he could do now i'm not like a certified personal trainer who can just diagnose this by looking at him but that was just something that uh i noticed when i kind of looked at their two bodies a while back
1: and one last thing you know are we a little bit of kind of stands for Victor maybe Uh, are we NBA or basketball fans yes and I think if you're a basketball fan you got to have your eyes on this guy he is ridiculous
0: all right I just brought up some numbers here I want to respond to Brandon's point about uh, Victor being filled out pretty much for his age and you compared to Chet Holmgren how he doesn't quite have that frame Chet on Tankathon last year was listed at 7 foot 195. And Victor currently, we don't know if it's official yet, but he is listed at 229 Oh.
2: I knew he was bigger than Chet, but I didn't know he was that much.
0: Wow. And let's let's even give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say Tankathon overshot by 10 or 15 pounds. He's still 205-210, which I mean at 7'5, that's not super big, but that is enough mass to to put some weight on as well. So yeah. and you don't even need the way that Victor plays. You don't even need him to be a bruiser like Joel Embiid or like a Yusuf Nurkic type player. You don't even want him to be that because you need him to have that quickness and agility at that size to make those defensive plays. So let's say he gets up to maybe 230 235 That is going to be plenty enough.
2: Yeah, I think. The potential with Victor is crazy and like we talked about before the only thing holding him back really is himself And I'm excited to see how well he does. I'm really excited to see where he gets drafted though Mm because that NBA race right now um, I just want to say the Pelicans have the Lakers lottery pick and it's gonna be so fun yeah, I if he gets goes to even a remotely good team, I'm going to be through the roof. Like I'm hoping he doesn't end up somewhere like Utah. Which yeah. Thankfully, right now Utah's actually doing good. So
0: let's let's take that fun route. Let's say the Pelicans get that number one pick and they team up Victor with with Zion Williamson. What do you guys mm. What do you guys think that would be be like? Because you would imagine that within the next five years, that could be the top front court in the entire I feel NBA. Like, uh,
2: there's a probably a slim chance. This, well. It's really not, because the Lakers are bad this year. But if that were to happen, I feel like that would be such a good fit, just because Zion is a player who he dominates in the paint. And I feel like I think about the Pelicans these past few years and their rosters, and the issues with Zion has just been getting people alongside him who can space. And you add somebody like Victor, and I think that kind of helps clear up that issue. Now, I... I am curious if he's just because he's so good offensively and he has a skill set if he's someone who you really want to be your primary center I mean I definitely think he could do it but I think as a coach or like as a GM you might want to get a little bit experimental with that uh, just because that might make some interesting matchups but I think that that would be a great fit and you would also have Brandon Ingram as well who's another great perimeter scorer um, and having Zion Paired up with those two I think would just be
0: scary. Yeah, and just scheming wise It's gonna be tough to find or for other teams to play against Victor Wembanyama and find who they want to put out there on the floor to defend a player like him because I Don't know if they're gonna opt for the size matchup in terms of height or if they want the mobility matchup They may have to go small and either of those really work in the Pelicans You know fantasy land that we're in right now because if a team goes small to try to stop Victor That just opens up more opportunities for Zion in the paint because there's he's not a huge guy He's around six 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 seven So if you eliminate those huge seven footers in there who can block his shot He has even more rain to dominate down low But then if they try to match height wise Victor just destroys them on the perimeter and and he kind of takes that number one role
1: I don't know and (laughs) With how ridiculously tall uh, Victor is for the skill set he has, it's almost like he's—I want to say—in his own world up there, like mm-hmm. it's like his own little little bubble. Where like, with an eight-foot-one wingspan, is anyone going to contest that shot up there? Like, other than well, they'll, like they'll you try. Said, a big man. I mean, they will try, and I, I think uh, let's not. Let's not get it twisted. The NBA and it is full of very smart coaches, very smart players. They will figure out ways to guard him. Uh, it's just the question of like how well. How well, yeah. How well. I mean, even
2: so, I feel like, say he does reach his, at least, I don't wanna say his full potential, but like if he reaches even half of what he's supposed to be, he's probably gonna be one of those players who it's like LeBron, Kobe. Like, you can do whatever you want, but at the end of the day, you're not going to stop him. So
0: Yeah, over the full course of a game, he'll get his...
2: Yeah. So I think he's one of those players, too, where it's just like you'll just have to make the people around him do something, which that in itself is still a dangerous plan because he'll probably have a light 30, 40 come playoff time. So I'm
0: I'm glad you bring up those numbers because I want to ask you guys and get your opinion on this. So if Victor fully pans out and he becomes this defensive monster and offensive juggernaut, what... What really is his ceiling because It's tough to take Jordan. Obviously. No one can really coming into the draft say he'll be better than Jordan But he I mean on paper if he has the defensive ability to be the best Defensive player in the league and a top offensive player. What's stopping him from being in the top five or even taking over number one?
2: i mean, yeah, I think that right there is just why he's why he has so much um, hype around him just because nobody knows like nobody has an idea. Like, I remember Brody was telling me the other day, people were saying that his floor at the very least is Wait. just Kristaps Porzingis. And I was going
1: to bring this up like, literally the worst thing, like, everything goes wrong. He has no idea what he's doing in the NBA. Just like, like, everything is just like off for him at worst. Yeah, Kristaps Porzingis. So, yeah, I'm just like, and that's still a
2: player who's an all star. So it's just like, I think, I don't think it's, I don't want to throw that out there yet, but I mean, I think he definitely does have the ceiling to be the goat, but I don't want to just throw that out there. Like, were people throwing that
1: around when LeBron was a, was I mean, yeah, people, they were people were yeah. before
0: people were the thing that always holds me up with overtaking Jordan as a prospect is just Jordan's insane scoring. Like people say, yeah, you have to be great defensively, but. It's almost absurd the amount of points and the consistency that Jordan had with it. I mean, he's a 30 point per game career scorer and He's won the scoring title 10 times in his career I don't know if if Victor has the offensive output to win the that award that many times but he definitely could match it with defensive awards because Jordan was uh, a depoy once I believe and it's definitely within the realm of possibility that Victor could be a two or a three or a four-time depoy.
2: See, that's why I think now, too, uh, it kind of goes back to my point earlier where I talked about just the talent in this league. Like, I think now we kind of have to look at stats and accolades a little bit differently just because there's so many players, like, say he averages, like, 30 points per game a season, whereas, like, a few years ago, or I don't want to say a few, but, like, 10 years ago, maybe one person was doing that. Now there's probably like two, three or four players, other guys doing that. So it's just like, I think now we also have to look at stats and how we we have to look at stats a little bit differently in awards, just because uh, people are so talented. And I I think now if Victor's on a good team his whole career, he's likely gonna have other killers around him. So I think I don't think we can to kind of go back to your point. I don't think we can really look at. The Amount of points, but just how he's scoring is what we have to look at now
0: Yeah, and obviously the easiest way to become the goat is just have more rings than Jordan and stay undefeated and Victor is so special potentially if he reaches that potential where no other team will have a a Victor stopper no no other team is gonna have a player similar enough to match what he brings to the table other than maybe the Thunder with Chet Holmgren or whenever whatever team he's on later on in his career So we saw it in the past with Bill Russell, like in the Celtics, having those difference makers and just having a roster that the league can't compete with can be enough to just be a dynasty. And you never know if he comes out here and puts up seven rings and never loses. It would not shock me if he becomes the GOAT.
1: I feel like uh, if he went on a Bill Russell tear in 20 in the like 2020 to 2030. Gosh. He'd piss off a lot of NBA fans. I just say, <laughs> I'm excited to see,
2: I don't want to say I'm excited, but I'm interested to see like 10 years from now we look back on this podcast. Everybody loves him now, but like say he gets more rings and like his whole career starts to transpire. I'm just curious what the general thought on him will be.
1: All right, so uh, might have to change some camera work next week because all of our cameras died. Uh, gonna have to be a bit more responsible with that, but we are moving into the trivia section uh where these two gentlemen will go head to head against three of my questions I've made this week uh, yeah, I think uh was it Jake won last week or I think it was a tie yeah or was it a tie yeah uh, I think you guys both got one wrong and then you guys or no, you guys both got one right, and then you guys got you both both of you guys had one wrong that. Uh, neither of you got. So, let's start with the first one. Uh, who was the highest scoring NBA player that was or that's seven foot four and above? Ooh. So I have. Uh, I guess I'm gonna. I'll. I'll uh, I have four players that you guys will be able to choose from, or you guys can just guess now. I'll take Unless the four. You, okay. I, yeah.
0: I just don't think I'm gonna guess a player that reaches that height. Like they might be seven three technically, and I will be sure, out yeah. of the race.
1: So it it is seven foot four and above. Uh highest scoring NBA players in that category. Uh who was the high, who scored the most points in their career? Was it A, Yao Ming? Uh B Mark Eaton, C, Rick Smith, or D, Sean Bradley?
0: Hmm. I'm gonna take Yao.
1: Okay. I'm also gonna say Yao. Because kay. Mark Eaton was a defensive guy.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that too. But he he was solid though, so you never know. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, both of you guys are wrong. It is C Rick Smith. Wow. Uh I didn't know who this guy was at first, but he scored in his career uh twelve thousand eight hundred and seventy-one uh career points. I looked him up. He is on on uh Basketball reference, he is listed at scoring that many points in his career. I guess Yao Ming has about 9.8 thousand Yeah,
0: I don't think Yao's career was as long as people
1: remember. See was. I think uh, Yao having such a short career that he had like mm-hmm. I think over his career I think he'd like like in a shorter span of time. He scored way more points, but mm-hmm. Just couldn't stay healthy as we talked about with Victor, which is why I wanted to ask that question But moving on we got to keep going here Who was the second overall pick in the 2010 draft? Ooh. 2010, the second overall. I'm going to say...
0: Was that the... I think that was the Hashim, the beat year, but I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going to use that as my guess. Uh,
1: Um...
0: I'm just locking that in. I, I don't have any other guess on it. sure who
1: who was your player again? Can you say Ashim
0: Okay.
1: Cousins and Wall were both in that draft. But I don't think they went back to back, so I'm gonna say the beat as well. Okay. Well, you guys were extremely close. Uh because I had to look him up because I was like, hmm, where did he go again? Uh he was the second overall pick in two thousand nine, not ten. Ah. It was Evan Turner. Oh, oh okay. yeah, that, I remember
0: that, yeah. I will ask Ohio again, does State, he right? still play? Because he broke his he, back that year. I think he's retired now. I think he's doing coaching somewhere, okay. I want say, with, like, the Celtics or something.
1: Yeah, but it was Evan Turner, so I figured I'd find, like, a high pick that's, like, mm-hmm. like not really— didn't really make a ton of noise in the NBA, I'd say. Uh, next one, uh, I do like this question— uh, I guess if you guys both know it right away, uh the first person to say it will get the nod. But uh who was the 6th overall pick in the 2016 draft? 6th overall. Hmm.
0: I have such bad recall with like what year each player was from. Like I know all the Does players. Does a team
1: help? Yes. Yeah. But that might be too much. He was movie. drafted by well, the, I
0: Pelicans. Mean, the Pelicans. The Pelicans. Ooh.
1: He is no longer I will say a I think Pelican. the hint
0: was worthy this week just cuz we got yeah, kind of both no. them. wrong. No, I know
1: this but he was no lo- he's no longer a Pelican.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's not surprising cuz players move around so much. 6th pick 6th
1: pick. I just like can't even He does make starting rotations. Hmm.
2: I feel like he was probably traded. Cause... I do like him.
1: Oh,
0: I got it. It's Buddy. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> that 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 gave it away.
1: I I I wanted to keep getting hints until someone got it, but I think I went a little too far with that. <laughs> it is Buddy Hield. Uh, I think he was traded from the Kings for now, right? He does play for the Pacers now, right? You
0: he does play for the Pacers now. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, but yeah, buddy healed uh, was drafted by the Pelicans yeah. don't know what happened to him around there But I yeah, know he played there for, the a for a little bit,
0: but he yeah, he mostly is from the Kings yeah. I forgot about that
1: my favorite player on 2k for some reason. I just tear it up with him So <laughs> I do like him a lot. That was a tough trivia week. Yeah, that was fun though. Dang. No way. I took that. Oh, that's not no. I, do, I try to I try to spread a uh, or like go away from the uh, who was the, the this overall pick in this year uh, just because it's kind of a cop out in the trivia and it's not as fun if you do like 3 of those every week but uh yeah next week I'll have some uh good ones as well. I think I'll try to try to not have one next week and we'll we'll, we'll see what happens with that but I think uh this has been easily our longest podcast uh, of all uh, time. this season so far it could be all time outside of maybe the draft. Yeah. But uh Let's wrap that.
0: I hope you all enjoyed this one. We had a lot to talk about, especially with our prospect breakdown for Victor Wembanyama. It was awesome to talk about him, and uh, I think this was a great episode. But make sure you all follow our socials. Uh, You can follow me at Jacob Schrantz on Instagram and Twitter.
1: You can follow me, Brandon.Blue, on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me at Brody Wilkin on Twitter, at Broderick Wilkin on Instagram. And uh, broader, even on YouTube, but I guess I don't really use YouTube too much anymore. So
0: yeah, and make sure you also follow League Bound on Twitter. It's at underscore League Bound underscore. We'll start putting out some content on there uh, as soon as possible. And uh, thank you all for listening. Don't forget
1: watching. Spotify, League Bound, YouTube, League Bound as well. So wherever you found this, you can listen to us on Spotify as well.
0: Yeah, and make sure you subscribe on YouTube. We're growing on there very well this season. We're we're trying to get up into the top echelon of uh, basketball podcasts. So make sure you all subscribe and, and leave a like as well.
1: Thank you guys so much. Have a good one.